0: Welcome to another episode of the speak Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Raman. On the podcast today, we have Valeria Pareo. Welcome.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, excited to have you on. Uh, before we get started, I just want to acknowledge that I'm uh, producing this podcast on the lands of the Klehus, Komaks, Homoko, and Kla'amen First Nations, who were one nation before we came in and separated them into reserves. There, uh, before we uh, get into things, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, who are you? What do you do? Where are you come from?
1: Excellent. Well, first of all, I'm in the lands of the Tokobaga here in the Tampa Bay area in Florida.
2: Cool.
1: Uh, unfortunately, um, not a happy history for them. So mm-hmm. look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm. I love history, and I love to learn about the places where I live.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm not uh, from the U.S. I'm from Argentina. I mm. was raised in France and in Brazil, uh, and moved to the U.S. to pursue my ABA career. So I transferred. I was. Um, I was a psychology student at the Federal University in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and I. ABA caught my interest. Um, There were not a lot of options to pursue that over there at the time. And therefore, I found out like early days of Googling and Internet uh, information being available. So I transferred to the University of South Florida here in Tampa where um, the uh, bachelor's in psychology gave you the opportunity to also do a concentration in behavior analysis, which would allow you to sit for the BCABA exam. So that's what I did. Um, and then the the company, what I did, my internship, my, my hours offered me a job and so we stayed. And eventually I did my master's um, in ABA at uh, Florida Tech, Florida Institute of Technology. Once again, back in the day, I know I'm dating myself, but back in the day, there were no online programs. And so I had to schlep across the state to Orlando to take classes every weekend uh, with the late uh, Jose Martinez Diaz, who was my mentor.
2: Hmm.
1: And um, and I continued working at that organization. Um, My my. My my um, let's say the way that i I got into ABA is a little bit different. A lot of people currently in behavior analysis work with kids with autism. That's yeah. not the population that I'm f- most familiar with. Like mm. I eventually got there, but I started my career working with adults with um intellectual disabilities and various um, diagnoses, um sometimes dual diagnosis um that were receiving services in intensive behavior group homes here in Florida. Mm. And about a third of them had some type of um, legal involvement, forensic involvement, and about a third of them had some type of inappropriate sexual behavior. And that was kind of like the main uh, goal for uh, treat, ABA treatment for them. Mm. So that's kind of where where I started. So a little bit different from um, a lot of people who know nowadays are working in clinics, working with, with little kids with autism.
0: And so. What, remind me, again, why did you go to Florida in the per- first place?
1: So I was Googling up places where I could finish my bachelor's in psychology that mm. would give like more uh, background on ABA and USF at the time had this uh, program. It was a concentration in behavior analysis. One of the few available at the time that would yeah. prepare you to sit for the BCABA exam. So that's why I chose this. And, and
0: why, so why... Before you even came to Florida, was ABA of interest?
1: Well, um, the uh, university where I was uh, doing my bachelor's was uh, in outside the U.S. This is very common, but like the, the let's say the philosophy or or the the way they were working on psychology was m- much more psychoanalytical uh, and it didn't Mm. make much sense to me i didn't feel like this would be the most effective way of helping people and so i had one class that was in uh cognitive behavioral psychology that was Mm. the closest to aba that i could get and that made much more
0: everyone wants to have control of their life to make their own choices decisions and set goals that are meaningful and important to them And students who are neurodivergent are no exception. Self determined research indicates a host of positive quality of life outcomes for people who are neurodivergent, including better employment and independent living outcomes. Whether your students want to attend college or obtain employment after high school, they will need to acquire the skills necessary to pursue career life directions that are personally meaningful and are of their own volition. The self determination course offered by CBI. Is an ideal tool for teachers to help students develop the essential competencies for self-determined behavior. The course consists of five modules with comprehensive lesson plans that include embedded resources, easily adapted for your diverse learners. Using the built-in self-reflection and assessment exercises, teachers can assess students' growth towards their self-determination and self-advocacy behaviors. If you're interested in learning more, check out the CBI Consultants webpage at www.cbiconsultants.com. If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is Brazil.
1: More sense to me, and so that's why I decided to say, okay. I don't want to graduate and then have to learn what I want to learn. I want mm. to learn what I want to learn while I'm in school because that's what we go to school for. Yeah
0: yeah yeah. so your interest in ABA was just just came out of being in a, 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 a psychology program.
1: right. and then um, and then one once I got to the University of South Florida, uh, that program um, gave you two options. Mm. Um, you either did an internship, with little kids in school setting or you worked with uh the adults in intensive residential group homes that had inappropriate sexual behaviors and i'm like oh i'm scared of kids let's do the group home that sounds much
0: (laughs) right on and what you kind of just glossed over it a bit but how'd you go from argentina to france to brazil how that all happened
1: Well, uh, I am of a certain age, for those of you who know a little bit about Latin American history, the 70s in Latin America were not great Mm. for freedom or um, different uh, political views. Mm. And so my family was a refugee in France, and then Mm. we um, eventually had the opportunity uh, through my dad's work to move back to Brazil to be closer to Argentina. And so that's what we did. So my initial travel to France was as a UN passport holder as a refugee.
0: Wow. That seems like a far way to go for refugee from Argentina to France. Is that just because in the 70s, that's, that was the place to well, go? Uh, or?
1: Latin America in general wasn't safe. So anything closer was not a right. good idea.
0: So Right, right, right.
1: And at the time, France had a very open political uh, mm. stance on refugees. Uh, in France, they call it France Terre d'Asile, from France, um, home of you know of the kind of like immigrants. So it, it it was at the time something very important for them. Unfortunately, their views have changed over mm. the decade. Yeah. Right now, not as friendly uh, to refugees or immigrants as it was back in the day.
0: So do you speak a few
1: languages then? No. <laughs> I speak French, Portuguese, Spanish, and now English.
0: Wow. Okay. And and so how long were you in France?
1: Uh, so I was in France for four years mm. and then we moved to Brazil. My parents kept me in the uh, French school there so that ah. I wouldn't forget French. So I actually graduated from a French high school. And that's how I got a, um, a scholarship to move back to France as an 18-year-old to study for two more years. So I kind of kept my, my roots there for for a while.
0: And then, and then the Portuguese was just from being in Brazil?
1: Yes, yes. Um, wow. In my house, there was a rule that you spoke French in school, you spoke Spanish at home because my parents didn't want me to uh, forget Spanish. And on the streets, you, <laughs> you talked Portuguese with your friends. So uh, that's actually, uh, I'm not a specialist in, uh, you know, uh, a bilingual or trilingual uh, child rearing, but mm-hmm. I think that actually was a good way to make sure that we kept all the languages alive.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Really cool. Really cool. So now you're now, now what are you doing? So you you got your, your, you, you got your Courses at Fit, and um, what 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 are you working on now?
1: So I I worked for a long time in in group homes. I was there for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then um, I transitioned to a more of um, a leadership position, mentorship position with uh, an organization here in in Florida. Then I switched things around, and of course during the pandemic. Uh, things switch around a a little bit for everybody, right? In 2017, I had the opportunity to go back to Brazil to work um, as a behavior analyst Mm. um, in a consulting capacity. So providing consultation to families, but also to uh, organizations over there.
2: Mm.
1: I did that for a while. And then um, at that point, uh, I was traveling to Brazil every three months to do hands-on work over there. And then I was doing... Um, online supervision, telehealth before it was cool to do online supervision. <laughs> telehealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
1: but then the pandemic came, and um I was grounded for two years. And so that model was a, uh, in my view, unsustainable just because um a lot of the teams in Brazil really needed that hands-on um, support that mm-hmm. I was not able to provide anymore. So I shifted around a little bit. Um, at the time, I was already uh, teaching at Florida Tech as a co-instructor at their online program. I got an invite to teach at the Behavior Web, which I know it's one, was one of the things you wanted me to mention. Um, the Behavior Web is a company that is uh, based in New York that provides um, uh, approved coursework for the QABA certification, which is mm. another ABA certification available to people um and it's the first organization that provides that provided that certification in portuguese so dr liliani hasha is the ceo and owner um and um she invited me to to do those those courses and i've been doing this um the past 2-3 years nice. so during the pandemic i had to reinvent myself a little bit but i always was interested in uh, building capacity in brazil providing support, I, I, I feel very strongly about this. I think um, one, I, I'm privileged to have been able to come to the US, get my um, my experience, my, my, my degree um, and learn about ABA. And I think that um, a way for me to pass it on is to do the same for people that perhaps do not have the opportunity to travel to a different country mm-hmm or um, have uh, language, English, as a barrier. Um, a lot of materials, a lot of information, a lot of resources in ABA are produced mm. in English. And so I think right. that if I have the opportunity to be fluent in several languages, it's a way for me to share that back. And so kind of like aligned with my values, um, being able to, to teach in Portuguese about ABA, about what everything that I've learned, um and then providing supervision mentorship consultation um remotely i think it's it's a way for me to to contribute to the growth of best practices in aba in brazil
0: that's awesome and so the behavior web is it's primary sort of mandate is is for brazil or
1: Yeah, so we do have uh, some courses in English. Mm. Um, We have, um, we are expanding the English side of it and we actually have a project of expanding the Spanish side of it, uh, providing the coursework in uh, Spanish as well. Um, And that would kind of be my project for for the organization. Um, Once again, to provide more opportunities for people in Latin America to get the QABA certification um in an online in um venue uh without having to travel and then keeping the costs low for for people that wouldn't have the opportunity um to get that coursework otherwise.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, maybe let's talk a little bit about about the QABA. I haven't really talked much about it. I don't I don't know a lot about it. Um I mean I, I have been able to become an approved provider for them, but I still don't know a lot about what they do and how they are reform and all that sort of thing. So I know we've got the BCBA, the BACB that doing, mm-hmm. doing things. And I know of course that they are no longer doing things outside of, you know, most, most countries now. Um, and, and and so there, there has to be other options. Um I'm curious maybe why why you decided to go the, the direction of the QABA and and kind of what what like what what is the QABA first off and and and, and okay. how does that all work? Um
1: yeah. so the QABA is the uh qualified applied behavior analysis um board. Okay. Um it's an ANSI um accredited organization so ansi is uh american national standards institute mm. uh, which is uh an organism that kind of gives the seal of approval to organizations that provide certifications and things like that Got it. and uh it's an organization that i believe uh was uh founded in 2012 if i'm not mistaken mm. out of california and again n- internationally accredited credentialing agency and focusing on uh, credentialing professionals that are going to provide ABA services more specifically to um, um, autistic people, right? Mm. So the emphasis is more on autism. And um, again, this is an organization that is younger than the BACB. The BACB, if I'm not mistaken, was founded in 1986. Eighty eight or something like that, like Hmm. uh, early two thousands.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So it's a little bit. The QABA is a little bit less established, just because it's um (laughs) it's younger. Hasn't
0: been around as long. Yeah.
1: Uh. It's it has been around uh, less time, but again, it's um uh, an accredited um organization, and um although I understand why the BACB made the decision that they made, um. From my point of view, from a person that comes from outside the US,
2: sure. um,
1: it felt very kind of like a a slap mm-hmm. in the face. Up until that point, they had on their website saying that their interest was international, you know, pursuits yes. and so on and so forth. Um, I feel like a lot of the conversations about exiting that um exiting the the international um um, you know, environment was done behind closed doors. A, a lot of us were very surprised. The um, also is notorious by sending those emails on Fridays at 4 p.m. and like throwing a bomb and then enjoy your weekend. Like this yes. is very common for them. Um, I'm sure everybody has had some interesting surprises with their emails at that time. And so... I felt that even though I understood the reasons, which were, it's very difficult to manage, it's very difficult to align all the cultural values across Mm. countries, so on and so forth. I absolutely understand those those arguments, the way it was done. I felt that it was um, unfortunate. And so um, I was a little bit petty and I decided, okay, let me see what else is available Mm -hmm. and continue to support people in Brazil. Mm to have, you know, some standards uh, to, to aspire to. And I found out about the QABA. So I did the process to become a QBA myself. Um, The QABA board has three levels of uh, certification. The Mm. QA is what would be uh, similar to the BCBA.
0: Right.
1: QASBS is the level that is similar to the Um, BCABA or Mm. bachelor's level and ABAT is what would be similar to the RBT um, Mm. certification. So they have a similar process. It's a process that involves coursework, is a process that involves uh, supervision hours and um, an exam in order for you to become certified. So again, Mm. very similar to the BACB certification. And the interesting thing is that uh, they're very much into international collaboration. So they uh, recruit people from different countries to assist with the uh, cultural, uh, like, for instance, the ethical committee has people from different countries to make sure when they create their code of ethics, it is sensitive to other people's cultures. Hmm. Uh, same thing with the examinations. Um, they I know that there's a, there's a, the English exam, the Portuguese exam, which I participated in the translation of the questions. Hmm. I believe Spanish, Korean, Arabic, and there's several languages. So amazing uh, as they they're trying to do their best to uh provide services um in the language of the the providers and so they they recruit people from those uh, all different countries to participate and collaborate and ensure that um, it's not an um u.s centric um organization that is mm. invoking um without having collaboration and participation from the people that are going to be um getting the certification
0: interesting Do do you know, and you may not, I mean, and and you you might have kind of answered part of the question here with, with the different languages that are available, but do you know why the QABA formed, um, you know, because the BACB would have been around. They would have been certifying folks around the world. Was it primarily the language piece, do you think? Or?
1: No, because they were formed in California. So they started as a U.S. organization. So I, I am mm. not familiar with the whole history of the QABA. Right. Yeah, but, yeah.
2: Um,
1: they have a lot of certified people in California. And mm. even though most of us are familiar with the BACB certification, it is one certification, mm-hmm. right? It shouldn't uh, there's n- there shouldn't be a monopoly of the the certifications, right? It's diff- mm-hmm. It it and so having another certification, it's not bad for our field, mm-hmm.
2: right?
1: Um, But I know that they started in California, so their uh, focus in the beginning was not international. I just they saw an opportunity of of expanding and reaching out to other countries Mm. to um, to offer their services and and providers, behavior analysts in other countries. Um, Again, it certainly helped that the BACB make the decision that they made for their growth internationally. Um, but, um, it, it, I don't think it was primarily, uh, an international focus that, um, that led to the, to the founding of the, the QABA Hmm. certification. At least that's not my impression.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I, I don't know a lot about the States and how things work, but is the QABA certifications like recognized by like. Licensing or by like insurance yeah, so providers and that sort of thing.
1: There, the QABA I think is doing the same thing that the BACB did twenty years ago. Like mm. many years ago, having a being a BCBA, people looked at you and said, "Okay,
2: what?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> or didn't know what it was. People were sure. providing behavior analysis services without a certification, and right. then uh, the BACB lobbied several you know state legislatures to to be uh, approved and then obviously um health insurance companies and so on and so forth and so the QABA currently is, I believe is doing the same thing so there are um several states where QABA certifications um you know like a, a, like for instance if you need credentially for for a health insurance they would ask you for your QABA or BACB certification okay. so it's, So I don't think it's for all the states. I think they're in the process, but that there are several states Mm -hmm. where um, the two certifications are considered equivalent.
0: And, and it's interesting and maybe I should bring someone on from the QABA to ask some more of these questions, but.
1: And hook you up. Let's talk about it later. Yeah,
0: for sure. (laughs) Is, is besides the obvious, uh, Language offerings and, and 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 then of course, international folks being involved in things. Are are there big differences between the QABA and the BACB?
1: I think, like the, I, I would say that the BACB is more a, a generalist uh, certification. So mm. there's no expectation that you're going to, even though if you look at their uh, data, they say that. I think it was like 90% of uh, BACB certified people work with people with autism Mm. or disabilities. That certification is not a specialist certification for Mm. you to provide services um, to uh, the autistic population. The QABA has that emphasis. That Mm. is for the provision of ABA services to. Uh, people with uh, uh, a diagnosis of autism. So gotcha. it, that emphasis is is there. Um, even though there's very few of us, there's people in in my doctoral program, I'm focusing more on behavioral gerontology. I did some projects there. I'm I'm working on in OBM as well. So uh, some of us are not working with little kids with autism, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not, even though the majority of people are. So that's that's kind of I think one of the big differences.
2: And so let's talk a little bit about
0: ABA in Brazil. I had um, I've had one guest so far. Yes, Tassica,
2: from, I think, right?
0: Tassita, yeah, uh, from Brazil, and uh, she uh, her focus was more on social justice issues, and and then, but I think also some of her earlier training was was more in the experimental.
2: Kind of Mm -hmm. side of aba um and it sounds like from talking to her that you know the experimental stuff's been happening in brazil for almost as
0: long as it's been happening in the us but yet the sort of more applied side of things isn't as much can, can you tell me a little bit more about sort of the the history of behavior analysis in Brazil, like including the experimental stuff? Like, how, like how does how does a place like Brazil so, have a have behavior analysis in the sixties?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I I'm not a historian of ABA in Brazil, so yeah. I'm just going to tell you that like sure. the short version of what I know. Of I actually did a presentation at FABA, Florida Association for Behavior Analysis, in 2018 or something like that, and we talked nice. a little bit about it. Um. So interestingly enough, uh, Fred Keller was invited to be a visiting professor um, at the uh, University of Brasilia, Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's in the 60s and all that good stuff. And interesting thing, Brasilia became the capital of Brazil in the 60s. Before that, the capital of Brazil was Rio de Janeiro. So I think like one of the kind of like a vibe thing was let's. Uh, build up this university. Let's bring the best and the brightest from the world. Invite people to come over here. And of course, Fred Keller <laughs> was a uh, uh, big name in behavior analysis. And mm-hmm. so, with his uh, with his visit, he established
2: right.
1: um, the a, a very behavioral analytical department in the University of Brasilia. And so, many many people in Brazil were. Um, were trained by, you know, one of our forefathers, right? So this is where um, it all starts. And other people Mm. also visited and so on and so forth. But it started in Brasilia, and then you have people at University of Sao Paulo and and University of São Carlos and other universities that have um, a big emphasis. But it started in Brasilia. And so the point being is that very early on, uh, experimental analysis of behavior was very well established in brazil mm. and up to this day if you look at publications it's experimental analysis of behavior i think is u.s number one and brazil number two or wow. around those numbers like they have a lot of uh, scientific production and research and they publish a lot and they're very strong there mm. so uh, once again, a very you know U.S. centric thing is think oh there's no ABA outside you know the U.S. and obviously we know that it's not true. So there's a lot of tradition in experimental analysis of behavior in Brazil, but as Tacita mentioned to you, I believe
2: mm.
1: the focus is in experimental. Another thing that makes the experimental side be stronger than the applied side is that. The way the educational system is in Brazil is set up is that if you go um, to graduate school in Brazil, the expectation is that you're going to be a scientist or a professor. Mm. That's the point of going to grad school. Oh. It's not a scientist practitioner model the way many, many ABA programs are set up here mm. in the US. I don't mm-hmm, know how mm-hmm. it works in Canada but here in the US
0: it's similar yeah
1: we do have some programs that are more research oriented in ABA but many 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 programs are scientist practitioner mm-hmm. model the bolder model that we all know and love right and so the expectation is you go to grad school to become a better practitioner yes. right you have more knowledge but knowledge that is going to be applied in the service of the patients that you provide services to That is not the focus in Britain. Again, this is a, I guess, Department of Education uh, decision that was made. And Mm. and that's where they're at. And of course, with the spike in demand for services, the establishment of ABA as one of the evidence-based practices to provide services to uh, people with an ISD diagnosis, then they to a point where they had very, very smart people, very, very well-trained, mm. not necessarily well-trained to provide services.
0: Right, right, and right.
1: so there's that gap where you have extremely, uh, extremely dedicated people, but in a different area. Like it's, mm. it's behavior analysis, it's just not service delivery. Mm. So that's where, um, and so you had a lot of people in, you know, um the 2000s uh, 2010 coming to the us to become certified and so on and so forth or coming here doing their schooling going back to brazil mm. taking the certification and then um building their own clinics and so on mm. and so forth. um and so currently obviously that's not available for bacb certification it's available for the qaba certification and in brazil even though the behavior web was the first Uh, provider in Portuguese now other providers are also uh popping up which once again it's good right you want to sure that you are providing um you know you you're you're becoming more accessible you're you know providing more 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 resources to people um so you have the 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 QABA certification and again people are are um Continuing to pursue, and now uh, there is uh, one of the uh, behavior analytical organizations in Brazil uh, that is called ABPMC, so ABPMC, which is the the flagship organization in behavior analysis in Brazil, mm. um, is creating their own Brazilian certification, mm. but it's so. Um, I think our goal, once again, just like in certifications that you can select that you you can decide what which one meets your needs is the best way to go i don't think having a monopoly on certification is good so um it i i, it, I like it that you know in brazil you know
2: you know um,
1: local organizations are creating uh, that option as well so that's, that's where awesome. with um uh with um certification in brazil and again like i said a lot of people have a lot of the, the, the technical knowledge, but never had the opportunity to actually practice or practice under supervision. So once again, one, one of my goals is um, besides teaching and the behavior web and providing the, te- the, the theoretical knowledge and the coursework is providing supervision and mentorship to people that are pursuing certification, but also want to improve their practices.
0: Mm is the does the QABA coursework similar to the requirements or what does what, yeah,
1: that look a, like it's a, it's a, like you know how the BACB every so many years kind of ups the ante in yep. requirements so the QABA yep. is similar so for instance uh, when was it 2020 2022 where the the number of supervised hours jumped from 1500 to right
2: yeah, that yeah
1: well the the qaba was like that they had like 12 1250 hours and then they dropped to 15 hour 1500 and i'm assuming that in the years to come they're going to mm. request more for the qa qba certification mm. so same thing with the coursework they have a certain number of hours that they want you to have coursework in um so mm. assessment Reduction procedures, acquisition procedures, ethics, and this and that and the Mm -hmm. other. They they have a similar setup. Uh, Don't um, quiz me on the hours because I don't know.
0: No, that's okay. (laughs) Remember,
1: but it's a similar setup where for each kind of topic of area of knowledge they have a requirement, and obviously depending on the level of certification, if you're QASPS or QBA they're going to have different requirements, right? Obviously higher for the QBA certification.
0: And do those courses have to be at a university or?
1: They have to be by approved coursework providers, which some universities are approved coursework provider.
0: Right. So and BehaviorWeb is too?
1: Yes.
2: Ah, okay.
1: That's what I'm saying. So uh, the BehaviorWeb was the first approved coursework provider in yeah. uh, Portuguese. Um, and so, uh, if you go to, um, let me tell you the website in a moment, I think it's qababoard.com if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Um, and you can look at the tab providers and you have the list, um, across the globe, but there's several, uh, U S universities that are providers. So Mm -hmm. yes, in the U S many universities are providing are, are are finding it interesting to to be QABA providers.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Many conferences in the U.S. are CU providers for the QABA board as well.
2: And what's sort of the,
0: you know, the I guess sort of the appetite for ABA in Brazil? Like, do do folks when folks think about autism is aba the first thing they think about or does it take a while for folks to realize maybe that's the Um, way to
1: go well there um there's a lot of demand and Mm. again once again this is the reason why for me it's very important to build capacity in brazil and why i'm doing the work i'm doing uh but it's not um the the default intervention in the sense that uh, there are still, well, in in the U.S., the same thing, like you still have pediatricians that won't necessarily recommend ABA as a right. first um, as the first uh, intervention. Um, the problem in Brazil is that ABA is not a regulated profession, so it mm. doesn't exist as a profession. Um, and the services are not regulated by federal or state law either. Yeah. Um, so you have people that are providing ABA services, but are maybe uh occupational therapist or a speech and language pathologist or a psychologist. And so they don't have necessarily that. Um, and unfortunately without certification or any type of regulation, what happens too is um it's uh, hip to to say that you're providing ABA services, and some people are providing services that are. Mm not very good
0: right
1: the public gets um gets the the short hand of it but the it's a similar situation that happened in the us right you have to have the public outcry of people asking for better services yeah or you know some type of quality assurance that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing And this is why in the U.S., first you had the first wave of certification. So I'm in Florida. We had a Florida certification, which was the the back in the olden days of yours was the first certification that eventually became the BACB. Mm. And the next level is licensure at the state level. And so in Mm. Florida, we don't have a licensure yet, but many states in the U.S., on top of being certified by the BACB or the QABA, you must have a license to, um, to provide those services in the state where you live. Mm-hmm. So, But all of that is pressure from the public um, to, once again, protect the public, people that are very vulnerable.
0: There is a lack of diversity when it comes to educational material depicting Black children in the field of applied behavior analysis. Human Expressions gives black and brown children realistic and detailed images of kids who look like them, modeling everyday skills that may be difficult for them to communicate or express. At Human Expressions, the benefits of representation for black and brown kids in educational curricula are clear. Increased self-esteem, reducing stereotypes, and increased validation and support. To learn more, go to www.humanexpressions.org. That's human, H-U-E-M-A-N, expressions.org. The second secret word is health.
1: Uh, From bad providers, bad services, or services that are called ABA but not necessarily are. So in Brazil, we're currently in that phase where because there's no regulation, um, it's kind of like a free-for-all. You have really, really good providers that are really focusing on doing a good job, and other providers, unfortunately, that are in to you know squeeze the last dollar out of people uh mm. and not providing very good services mm. and what's
2: sort of the what how how's what's sort of the autism awareness acceptance
0: kind of level in in Brazil these days?
1: So they, in some, in some things, they're very advanced. Like for instance, they do have laws that guarantee that uh, autistic people have support in school settings. Um, Mm. They just uh, passed a law for the um, what do you call that flower? I forgot. Um, That if you have like a little, um, is it sunflower? I can't remember now. The you have the little uh sunflower thing it means that you have an invisible disability that autism, that kind of stuff so they have laws that uh, put autism as one of the disabilities where people get preferential treatment like for instance Mm. if you're in line and you have your little autistic little card you can you know skip the line or interesting uh, Mm. be uh, seated first in a plane or things like that so there's a lot of stuff like that uh but sometimes um there's the laws, but the resources that go with it are not available, mm. right? Um, and so in Brazil, also, the other thing about one of the barriers to receive ABA services is that, um, and yeah. once again, I don't know how it works in Canada, but sure. um, since here in, in, in Florida, the way it works is if you have one of the diagnoses that falls into, like, for instance, if you if you are a child here in Florida, you receive Medicaid services, and you have one of the Disabilities that falls, you know, like uh, developmental disabilities, right? Autism, um, cerebral palsy, blah mm-hmm, blah blah, mm-hmm. um, whatever. You're um, you are eligible for ABA services, right? right. And so, um, your worker, case manager, um, support coordinator, whoever is the person, requests funding for an assessment. A behavior analyst does the assessment, recommends a number of hours, and then you start receiving the hours. In Brazil, the way it works is the the pediatrician, if the pediatrician is aware of ABA, will write a prescription that says, this person will get 20 hours of ABA, regardless of what an assessment, like before an assessment. Oh, so,
2: interesting.
1: So it's a very, uh, a weird place where you get people that are, are getting like a, a recommendation of 40 hours of ABA a week, and the, their health insurance has to pay, and then when the behavior analyst goes and assess, you're like, you don't need 40 hours. What are you doing? Mm-hmm, <laughs> or so, mm-hmm. well, vice versa, or the person is getting five hours a week, and it's a case you that need 40. Much yeah. more support. Yeah. The person really could, you know, get, you know, help in many many areas. So um, it's a it's an exercise in social skills for the behavior analyst to be able to discuss with a pediatrician, neurologist. Someone say, hey, I did the assessment. Would you be willing to reconsider your recommendation, blah, 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 mm. uh, in order for this person to receive the hours mm. uh, that we recommend, right? Because again, as a pediatrician, they have no idea, like they're not the ones doing the assessment, just like I shouldn't be prescribing how many milligrams of whatever medication the person should be taking. Right. Um, the doctor shouldn't be prescribing how many hours of ABA someone should be taking unless they're a trained behavior analyst that conducted yeah. the assessment. So the the setup, it, it, it's kind of like a transition period in Brazil, I have the impression. Um, with a lot, a lot of struggle from parents and caregivers of autistic individuals. Um, um insurance plans are finally mm. kind of like obligated to cover the treatment, but it's a hit or miss regarding what is approved because of this, you know, backwards weight of uh, asking for hours. I think it's, it's not ideal.
0: Hmm. Wow. Curious if you know, just from all the places you've been, um, I know you haven't spent as much time maybe in those countries in a while, but do do you know if there, there, if there is ABA or anything like that happening in Argentina?
1: Um, not much. I don't Mm. think there's much. Um, once again, Argentina, they have a very, um, uh, strong psychoanalytical tradition Mm. regarding psychology. Um, and so, um, behavioral interventions and things like that. There are some people, um, but I don't think it's as well established as in Brazil, for instance.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then I know there's some stuff, there's a bit going on in France too.
1: Yeah, and in France, and, well, in Europe in general, there's some countries that are, are 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 better than others. Like in mm. Europe in general, um, ABA does not have a great reputation. Mm. Once again, in France, there's a very psychoanalytical view of um, service delivery, so mm. it like uh, there's not that uh, strong push, for instance, from health insurance to say, "Oh, you're only allowed to bill for evidence based practices." Mm. So, um again, um there is work being done in France. There's a proof course sequence in French, I believe uh mm. from ABA online if I'm not mistaken, the organization is called um I think um the uh the Cooper book has been translated into French if I'm not mistaken yep. um so there's several things happening in France like there's some some good people over there uh working, but, uh, service-wise, I think it's like a lot of parents kind of pushing, pushing
2: to mm.
1: get their services. Um, even the uh, education laws related to public education uh, in France are not as strong as mm. um, as in the U.S., even though a lot of people in the U.S. think that uh, everything works better in Europe. <laughs> it's not necessarily the case for people with disabilities. So. Um, England uh, there's a little bit in England I know yes. well um a friend, a friend from Wales uh is as a BCBA and uh the um the UK in general um, they are currently under the, the BACB certification but my understanding is that they're creating their own by 2025 if I'm not yes. mistaken so they will be having their own certification coming soon um it's good so um hopefully uh they get kind of like the momentum to to provide more services to more people in the uk in
0: general and one more thing about europe so you mentioned aba doesn't have as great a reputation there is that just because they like psychoanalysis and sort of some of the old stuff better or, or, or is there something about aba that that they're sort of. I, I
1: think like there's not as strong a tradition. A lot of people don't don't know about ABA, mm. and so it's, it's not going to cross their mind to, right. to for those services. Uh, but we all know that uh, even though we teach people social skills, we're not the greatest at social skills ourselves, and <laughs> our field has many very dark spots yep. to this day where we're not providing. Respectful treatment to people that are receiving our services. So uh, when you have a very vocal neurodiversity movement, as they Mm. should, complaining about ABA, they're going to be heard, and that's great, you know. And so I think this is the opportunity for us to take a look inside, see what was done wrong, what we can do to improve and do better, um, and learn from that. Like we have a science that um, you know developed great technologies to assess people and building repertoires and improving their quality of life. Yeah. But like everything in life, you can also uh, kill someone with medicine, right? And, yep. and you can do horrible things with ABA. So totally can. people yeah. have valid concerns. <laughs>
2: yep.
1: and me staying in that doesn't make me a traitor to the field. It makes mm-hmm. me just a person that has eyes and ears and wants to listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's, it's an ongoing discussion and uh, something that needs to be had. Um, I'd like to hear a bit about kind of what you're, what, what you're, uh, what you're doing now. So you're, you're, you're in a doctoral program. What's that program?
1: (laughs) So I decided I procrastinated for a long, long time after my, my, master's. Uh, into entering into a doctoral program, for the longest time, I thought that I was going to be doing a, a PhD in ABA. Sure. Um, but for various reasons, uh, you know, financial, um, immigration status, and stuff like that, uh, it took a while for me to to kind of uh, pull the trigger on that. And then when eventually I was ready, um. Talking to different programs and talking to people that are working in those programs, I really felt that doing a PhD in AVA would not necessarily expand my horizons. Um, I would be learning more of, of the same. So I would certainly learn things about research and perhaps get published and things like that, which obviously are valuable goals. I'm not poo-pooing anybody who mm-hmm. does that. Mm-hmm. I, it's important but i felt like um you know i I had been at that point like a bcba for 15 years so it's not my first rodeo if i'm going to invest the time and effort and tears and sweat into a a doctoral program i felt like it really needed to you know blow my mind and 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 (laughs) and change things for me and so that's why i decided to go in a different direction an adjacent field and so i am doing a dbh program which is doctor in behavioral health mm. um, with a focus in integrated care so uh, once again focus in behavioral interventions but mm. more overall health care not necessarily just the behavior part and so uh it, it's a challenging program it's it's hard to be a newbie again after mm. being old like I, I i you know starting from scratch um, you know, not being, um, not being an expert, uh, anymore and, and kind of having to put yourself in that uncomfortable position. Um, but it was very good to have a cohort of people that are all coming from different, um, backgrounds. So I Mm. have people in my cohort that are licensed mental health specialists. I have people that are uh, more on the side of managed care, on the administration side. I have people that are uh, licensed uh, clinical social workers. So oh, wow. it, it, it's very interesting to be in, in a place where um, it's not to be CBAs all the time. And that was one of my concerns of going to a PhD in ABA, that I would kind of like reinforce the bubble, be more in the bubble totally. <laughs> that Love I that. already was. And this is one of the criticisms that many um do to you know say about ABA that we're in our bubble and we're not necessarily good at talking to people from mm-hmm. adjacent fields. So, so true. Yeah. It 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 was uh, an uncomfortable but interesting position to be. And once again, like the focus is looking at the person as a whole, right? In integrated care. That's what you're doing. Uh, one of the premises is that um healthcare the sy- the systems but also the health of, of of population health is not good because we have a very siloed um model where people see specialists those specialists don't talk to each other and yes. there's an overall uh, mental health view of what's going on and what are the behaviors that are affecting the health of people there's mm. many um, you know, major uh, um, diseases that uh, are the most common, right? Uh, causes of mortality like diabetes, high blood pressure, all that stuff are diseases that have a behavioral component that with a change in the behavioral component, the person could have better quality of life. And yet yeah. a lot of the um, health care is focused on medications, right? Mm-hmm. Um And so an integrated care approach would be inserting uh, behavioral health experts into the primary care to assist and support the medical team in creating those behavioral interventions for the better health of the patients that are being seen. So um, some of the things that I worked on in my doctoral programs were things of Uh, Shared medical appointments like uh, group uh, appointments where we would do behavior interventions to assist people in changing their diet or the level of Mm. exercise. Um, Last term, I was working on a clinical pathway to improve the gynecological care of autistic people and how an OBGYN would change their practices or create a practice that is more autism friendly. Um, things like that. So that's again, I'm putting my little sprinkle of BCBA in the program, but it's more focused on overall health in an in integrated care.
0: So it sounds awesome. Is this the kind of thing then that's happening? Like so I, obviously, there's a program that to get people working together. but is it, does integrated care like exist right now in the system?
1: It's starting to exist. So there Hmm. is a push in that direction. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with another push that is related to value-based care. um, Yes, I've heard a bit about um, this. So it's a little bit about uh, moving away from fee-for-service payments where you provide the services you get paid to uh, achieving health outcomes and then you get paid kind of thing, Hmm. Uh, so it's more like outcome-based. And so we think that with integrated care, because you're taking care of the whole person, it's going to be more effective in achieving those outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so the people that the, the medical teams that are adopting this model are probably be in a, 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 a you know positive light because they're going to achieve better, better health outcomes and also an integrated care approach from research shows that uh, you are actually decreasing the costs. Um, There's also a question. uh, I know that you had mentioned a social justice themes and things like that Mm. in integrated care that uh, focusing on social determinants of health and barriers for people to access healthcare uh, Mm. is one of the big concerns. So uh, having that whole person approach, for instance, Uh, improves the uh, mental health outcomes because a lot of people if they are referred to a mental health specialist by their primary care provider they will not go Mm. for you to go to your primary care it's not okay for you to go to the shrink or to Mm. the you know so there's a stigma regarding mental health and a lot of people are not getting you know, proper care because of the stigma. Um, mm. A lot of psychotropic medication is prescribed by primary care physicians, even though right. they're not necessarily trained for that because True. this is the only medical provider that this person will see this year. And mm. so there's a lot of stuff that focus on medication that could be different if we had an integrated care approach to our healthcare.
2: Mm. And so were these programs created
0: to sort of create advocates for integrated care? Like it, it, it still just seems
1: yes. so such a like. a couple yeah. of programs as of now. So my program is the Cummings Graduate Institute for Behavioral Health uh, Health Studies. Yep. There is a program out of uh, the University of Arizona. Yes, uh, I've
2: heard of Arizona this one. Arizona yeah.
1: State University has um, a program. And I believe there's a couple of more. So there's not that many. Mm. Um, and that was another thing. Like people were like, Oh, what is a DBH program? What is this? Then I'm like, well, I've lived through the, what the heck is a BCBA? So <laughs> it's, you know, reliving my early, my youth, I guess. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not that worried that people don't know what a DBH is. Mm. I, I, I'll be happy to share. Um, so I think, I think there's a need. I think like the 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 from the healthcare field comes that uh, frustration too that uh, I'm sure that doctors are not happy about not being effective, about having to medicate people more and more and about not seeing Absolutely. results, and about being uh, stuck to, I have five minutes to see my patient and then there's a new one and a new one and a new one. Like, you know, it can be good for the... <laughs> The mental health of the doctors to live in this system so mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of a push to disrupt the health care field uh to improve population health to improve the care that people are receiving their experience to reduce costs, and to get to those outcomes of better health
0: yeah for sure i mean I, i've heard the phrase be- behavioral
2: health before uh, but it always seems to be. It always sounds like it's,
0: and I mean, yeah, this, I've heard a lot, but it sounds like folks that you wouldn't think would be working on behavior.
2: <laughs> what do you mean? Like, well, getting-
0: it it seems like the professionals that work in the behavioral health world aren't necessarily behavior scientists. Um, uh, you know, they're they're. And maybe I don't even know what I'm talking about, but um, uh, it, it's, it, I guess what, I, what, what I'm wondering is, is, and maybe this is just the silo of ABA, why there isn't more behavior analysis in behavioral health?
1: Ooh. Well, I don't know, but I can bet, you know, I would bet that a lot of behavior analysts were like, we're better than behavioral health, we're ABA." Mm. I said we don't have the best social skills, so it is possible that right. we created our own little bubble. Mm. Um, in my program, I, there's BCBAs in that program. There's not mm. that many. We're definitely okay. not the majority. Yeah, uh, I think we're the black sheep of of uh, the, the the ABA field that we're willing to to look outside ABA. And so we we took uh, a chance of going to a DBH program. Um, and a lot of people from the behavioral health field don't know what a BCBA is. Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of, of walls um, that, once again, show you how important integrated care is. Right. If people don't even know what our neighbor is doing, what they're about, you know, it, it's hard to provide uh, cohesive care to a person, right? Yeah.
0: I suppose just even having that cohort is creating those networks and those connections that
1: that after you
0: graduate, you can be like, well, now I know I can call on Valeria if I've got, you know, Mm -hmm. and so on. It's it's a doctoral program. So uh, I'm wondering, you know, uh, uh, behavior analysts are always talking about research and always want to follow the research. Third secret word is Argentina. Um, and it also would make sense that doctors and other folks might want to follow the research too. Is there behavioral health research happening? That
1: Yeah. So again, you would, for those of you who are inter- interested, you obviously would have to look outside Java <laughs> to read research on this. And uh, There's a lot of research public in under public health, right? So for instance, mm. some of the projects that I worked on would be more public health vibe that not necessarily uh, uh, like I'm I'm looking at the system rather than the individual health of one patient that is being seen by a doctor. Um, But you're going to have uh, published research in, you know, again, those interventions. That uh, would accomplish those those outcomes. So so mm-hmm. for sure. And then different people, like we don't call it a dissertation. We call it a culminating project in my program. and um there's a, a different different areas. Some are doing like straight up research where you're going to implement an, an intervention and and get, um, you know, collect the data and, and and get the results. Other people are working more on a business plan entrepreneurial project on where you're looking more at the systems and what system changes you would propose uh for uh, uh an integrated care project mm. so there's a little bit more variety um a- again very different for instance i remember the all the stress to 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 get my thesis done in my APA <laughs> program uh collecting data and all that good stuff which that's another story uh mm-hmm. that was but pretty, I, I I really worked hard for, for that degree because uh, I was working on uh, a, a sexual health, uh, increasing condom usage among adults who lived in group homes. Wow. Uh, and I collected data on permanent products. So that's the picture for you. Wow. <laughs> I want to repeat that if I can. Um, but so there's like different, different people have different projects. Uh, some people are um, collaborating with hospitals, with primary care practitioners to kind of get their project going and proposing new things. So um, it I like it also because um, the program is very supportive of what people envision for themselves as practitioners. Um, so obviously they give us guidance, but they really want to support different projects that are going to disrupt the healthcare field for the better.
0: Gotcha. And related to that, you said you were doing some stuff in in gerontology in this program.
2: Yeah. What's what's that about?
1: well, so I told you I'm 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 scared of little children. That yep. was never early intervention was never my thing. Yep. Um, and I started working in the field with adults, uh, working in group homes. Um, I, I I had some of my clients that that got really old and passed away. And yeah. um, uh, a lot of the times, if we think about the the deinstitutionalization movement in the '70s and '80s and all that yep. good stuff, um, you know, it's great that people have access to group homes in the community, but I started thinking, where will my clients who have behavioral challenges go when mm-hmm. they're in their 60s and 70s, et cetera? Um, the group homes might not be equipped to deal with the other comorbidities or health uh, needs an older person may need. And the nursing homes are certainly not equipped to deal with the behavior challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, not equipped at all to deal with behavior challenges related to dementia. A lot mm. of people with dementia get over overmedicated. Um, there's many, many reasons for not doing that. It's counterindicated. There's a lot of research that shows that over medication in dementia patients has terrible outcomes, mm. many, many adverse effects. And yet that's the primary way of dealing with behavioral challenges in nursing homes. So Thinking about my, my clients in the group home and saying, hey, yeah. where would we go? Uh, and thinking about how nursing homes are addressing this, I'm like, well, nobody's getting any younger. Maybe one day we will be in the nursing home, um, you know, doing our antics. And mm-hmm. I would love to be in a nursing home that is gonna respect my rights uh, as an older individual. And that will be compassionate and focus on behavior interventions instead of giving me a ton of medication to keep me quiet. So totally. that's kind of where I was going. So I did some some work on that on uh, behavior interventions uh, with the purpose of redu- reducing medication. Right. So so least intrusive methods. Right. Things that people in ABA are very familiar with. And then I also worked on uh, sexual health and sexual rights in a nursing uh, home environment because another area where people are very uh, uncomfortable with that topic. Yep, Older adults having a sexual life. Imagine that. Uh, and then you're in a residential setting. Um, unfortunately, many of your rights are taken away from you.
2: Yes. And
1: for not good reason, it's just a practice, it's not necessarily a need. Um, so I was working on that, on how we could create nursing homes and assisted living facilities that would take into account sexual health needs of people and not pretend that people over 60 don't have sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I was looking into uh, in behavioral gerontology.
0: Really cool. So did you actually get to do some stuff in in like in a nursing home or whatever? Or no, what? not
1: yet. So a lot of my stuff is proposals. And okay. when I graduated, that's kind of like my my business side of, of you know, proposing consultations, mm. uh, nursing homes and other facilities to see if they would be willing to to get that going and mm-hmm. collecting it and figuring out if it works.
0: curious if that's where your connection to Wales comes from. Uh, uh, just, be- yeah, just because yeah, I know that there there is a behavior analyst in Wales. Yes, that does a lot in I know Zoe. I,
1: I met her at ABA. I yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, I follow her. Her, work, uh, her right. work is great. But yeah, no, that was an interest. Um, just personal on a personal note, both of gotcha. my grandmas passed away and had dementia. So oh, I know that that was rough for my grandpa, for my aunt, yeah. for people caring for them, uh, for my brothers. So um, once again, there was a lot of like um, the 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 you know the network of support from the family, but we didn't mm-hmm. necessarily get the best help from the healthcare field. I think things could have been done better. So I'm hoping that. I can yeah. contribute for other people's loved ones as they age.
0: that's awesome. I love that. So how much how much do you have left of the program?
1: So if everything goes well, um spring 2024 uh, 2024, I will be Dr. Parejo.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: so. And so
0: then and so then what's the plan? I mean, uh, you, uh, with 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 the DBH, uh, are you just are going to just stick stick to the 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 BCBA Behavior web stuff, or are you going to be looking at doing some of this integrated care work?
1: So I, I think, I, I mean, it would be kind of like a, a, a side branch, right, of, of my business in the sense mm. that I would definitely, I'm still going to be very much interested in building capacity and supporting people in Brazil and Latin America yes. once we get the coursework in Spanish going uh, but I definitely would like to do some integrated care projects and behavioral yeah. gerontology projects. So I'm hoping to be able to, to balance the two. So I might need to mix the proportion of, of my projects a little bit more mm. uh, but that's the plan. And like I said, I do believe that integrated care is the wave of the future in the healthcare yeah. um, landscape. Um, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but I think that as we propose, projects and we have better results and we share those results um we're going to have more opportunities and i invite behavior analysts to look into behavior health and um you know behavior gerontology and sports medicine and all those areas related to our healthcare. like i said we are an aging population across the globe. Nobody's getting any younger. Hmm. We're going to need help. All of us are going to need help. So yeah. it would be nice if we, if ABA could contribute to that.
0: Oh, I think it's great. And I've heard of a few folks getting into these DBH programs, and I'm just like, you are the smartest people in the field right now, because this is the exact degree that we need and the exact direction that our field needs to go to. Because we could do so much more with with our with our science if we actually worked with other people. Um, yes,
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> working on those social skills is important, guys.
0: That's right. Well, Valeria, this is really cool. Really cool. I, I love the work you're doing, and I'm I'm stoked to see what what comes next when uh, when 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 you're finished your program and you your doctor Pareo. and and uh, yeah,
2: awesome. Really, really cool to have you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation.
2: Yeah, you bet.